the, the owner come back to me one day and he went, uh, Jeff Thompson's looking for you. And I just finished watching my back reading yeah, book yeah, thinking, yeah. shit, have I thrown his daughters out? What? Oh no, what have I done? And he walked in and, and he went, you Wayne Lakin? Shit. Hi, this is Mick Tully and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. Today I'm actually honoured and he's going to be really shaking his head here immediately, right? I've got the one and only Wayne Lakin. When people talk about unsung heroes, it's funny because Wayne's famous, but he's famous on this crazy level that it's only when you talk to people and they go, oh yeah, exactly, because... You know, in British judo, he's huge. And it's one of those things, if Neil Adams hadn't been born, you'd be Neil Adams, you know what I mean? But we've got today, it's my distinct pleasure to have the one and only Wayne Lakin. Thanks for coming on, man. You're welcome. So, Wayne, what got you into martial arts? Um, I I started uh, when I was eight. Uh, I ended up at a local club, but that was because... I used to say I was bullied at school. Yeah. And I think bullied's a strong word. I, th- I, I was thinking about this over, because that was always the first question, how did you start? And I was thinking, was I bullied? Yeah. Or was it kids being kids? Bullied, it, it doesn't make it right, whichever one it was. Yeah. But bullied to me is, is, a, is a target. They, they targeted me out, they singled me out. Do you do that at seven and eight? I don't know if they do. I, I think it's kids being kids. Yeah. No matter how it came about, that's what happened. So my mum and dad said, right, this can't go on anymore. We need to, we need to do something. I was, I was quite, I, I wasn't shy, but I wasn't overly forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so my mum and dad took me to see a karate club. I, I didn't like the look of it. Took me to see different kinds of things. And there wasn't that many 20, 30 years ago yeah. when I was looking. It was either karate, judo, or I don't think there was any wrestling or anything. There might have been some taekwondo. I went to see a local judo club and, and actually quite like the look of it. it yeah. Basically wrestling with pyjamas on was... Yeah, look, it's cool. It looked look fun, yeah. it looked fun. Um, so I started at a local club and it literally was probably 100 metres from my house, quite oh, wow. lucky. Um, and I stayed there for two years. Uh, did it help with the bullies or with, with their kids? No, it didn't. Actually. Same here. Didn't, didn't do nothing. <laughs> yeah. By the time I was any good, I was 17 and I'd already left school. So it, did, it made no difference. Did it give me a little bit more confidence? Probably some of it, not not a great deal. Yeah, definitely didn't make any difference until I hit high school. Yeah, without a doubt. So I mean, we're talking eight, nine years old when you're at primary school. So, but that's basically how it started. I started at a local club. It was it was what was then an AJA club, which is a amateur judo association. There's there's really three main associations: the amateur judo association, British Judo Council, and the British Judo Association. Yeah, the British Judo Association is the one that's the national governing body for judo. That's the one where the, the Olympics is for the IJF and all that kind of stuff yeah. is all done and then the, the, the AJA is, is, is really now uh, I don't like to say on its last legs but it's, there's not a lot of activity going yeah, on yeah, yeah. in that association there's still clubs about I still support my local AJA club when I can um, and the BJC is more of a family association yeah. it's, it's trying to, to make itself more professional and I think it'll get there eventually but, but I, this, this thing I was, I've always been shocked especially with judo because judo falls into the category of boxing where it's like it, it freaks me out because you get these guys that they if 
they charged any more than five pounds a session. It's ridiculous. Like yeah. Wayne's smiling here, right? It didn't happen. It did, it, the judo is just, I think, I, I run a judo club now. I, I run a little judo club in, in, a, in Boston, a little mining village. Uh, just It's basically for the kids. I don't take any money from it. It's a voluntary thing. Uh, I've got about 50 to 60 kids. It's two pounds for, for the babies. I say babies under sevens, under eights. Anything over that is two pounds 50. Seniors is two pounds 50. When you're talking about the era coming up, what, what year was this, would you say? What, when I started? Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. When, when I started? Yeah, when you started. Um, we, oh, what was that? Uh, I was... Uh I was eight, so 1981. Even to this day, my, I still scratch my head over this because we're in a country where we scream out for a sporting hero, right? Yeah. And during Superstars, we had Brian Jacks. Yeah. And he was in, you know, that was being watched by like 14 million people. And Brian Jacks was, you know, the guy was a phenom, you know yeah, what I mean? Was amazing. Amazing. And I, can, I could never understand how the public didn't get behind it, how judo didn't get huge. I know karate was, karate's always been big in universities in Japan and judo to a degree as well. Still, yeah. Yeah, but we never, we never bought into it in this country. I remember you, you were pushing for the schools. The schools? Years ago. Yeah, I mean, tw- Ten, twelve years ago was when I started to get. I was employed by the BJA for to, to do schools, national schools manager. Yeah. And um, the stuff with the Brian Jacks. I mean, saying that I competed at, at international level and only met him once. Really? Never on the scene. Uh, I think he lives in Thailand now. He's got uh, apartments in Thailand. Um, he's on Facebook and he's he's a lot more active now than I've yeah. ever seen him before in judo. Yeah, but that, I, I tell you, it's pretty crazy because you look at guys like him Terry O'Neill like these guys should be huge I think I think that's half of judo's fault I think we want too much from them if that makes sense Um, if you look at Neil Adams now Neil Adams to me still one of the is the greatest judo player Britain's ever produced. I think he's just uh, his technique is is the best ever. Dude, Dude Hicks and Gracie. Hicks and Gracie says the best Jujikatami ever, ever, ever. And that's Hicks and Gracie. Hicks, the, the, some of the guys that, that and I've inter- I've interviewed big names in martial arts, yeah. and we always come back to Neil Adams. And I used to say to him, I used to meet Neil Adams and go for a run with him at the Memorial Park. Yeah. you know, six o'clock in the morning. You know, and and, and we don't use this guy enough. And, and, and point in case we were talking about a little bit earlier, we were talking about seminars and stuff that you've yeah. done where you've, you've promoted people he did a, a seminar in Wales and 30 people attended he did one in China and he had 800 people on the map it's ridiculous how, how can that happen when we've got our own you know double Olympic silver medalist ex-world champion seven times European champion it's just the guy's a phenomenal legend yeah and, and sat on our doorstep we don't use him um, and, I, and I think that's whether that's because it doesn't fit for him or it doesn't fit for the BJA or commercially they can't get their act together I'm not too sure but you know whether it's it's just using him to if, for me he should be an ambassador for our sport he should be going out to every single event yes. as part of the BJA contingency paid just to open doors yes just to go do you know what we, we need to get every single nation to our British Open Championships that's your man that can do but, it well, you I'm see this it was funny because this emergence now of the judo and the mentality and the one thing I've loved about judo is if you want to know the truth I like jiu-jitsu because as much as it is painful judo is more painful mm. and as I've explained a few times when people tell me they're going to take up judo I would say are you eight years of age no well you're not going to be mentally strong enough because when you're younger it's smart yeah it's good because yeah, you know yourself awesome. you're, you're, you're not smart enough to know that this hurts a lot yeah I mean, and you become resilient right you know what we were talking the other day I went back onto the mat I, I, I mean I've, I try and do some randoi as, as, as much as I possibly can 
and I went back two, three weeks ago to Coventry and they do a randori night. They just do a fight night. And I do the thing that coaches do, which is you stand and watch the warm up because you don't do it because you're a coach. Yeah. And then, and then somebody will go, fancy a practice. Yeah. Yeah, of course I do. And then you get up the next morning after not warming up, you don't cool down because you're a coach. And yeah. You do it. So the next morning you feel like you've been in a train crash. Dude. And then for a week you, you go, I, I'm not going to do this week. Right now, right now, week. right now, I just feel human. Anybody who trains with me on a Sunday, they'll all, uh, I, I wake up on a Sunday morning at about half seven, almost feeling like I can move again after training yeah. Friday night with Neil Simpkin and it is Shark Tank and that's <clears> the one thing that the judo guys have like, started bringing back in because you know please explain what's judo got what you know I'll, I'll, I'll just let you run with this because I love this we, I think the, the reason it's took its an emergence back into the MMA and the, and the jiu-jitsu and stuff is is the hunt I think it's the, the actual the, the thing hunting for that technique yeah. so whereas the, what I found with, with the jiu-jitsu whether it's gi or no gi or, or whatever they do um, every time I've done stuff where I've gone over to Leicester Shoot Fighters or, or to, to MMA seminars is that they, you can teach the techniques and, and they love the techniques but actually they want to know what they're hunting for it's, it's that game plan it's that bit of actually uh, I always describe it as, as a chess game but working backwards so actually I've got my end game yeah. I know what I'm going to hunt for whether it be the Jujigatami whether it be the the armbar, the strangle, whatever it may be, but actually working backwards. So I know already know what I'm hunting for. Yeah. So my game plan's there. I'm not going to roll around for five minutes until I fall into something. Yeah. I'm going to hunt for that one thing. So whereas the, JJ, uh, the BJJ guys or the jiu-jitsu guys have got five, six minutes, ten minutes to have a roll around yeah. and get a submission... I I, the judo guys don't have that luxury they have 10 seconds on the ground it's a bit longer now because they've changed the rules slightly but it was 10 seconds on the ground 15 seconds that's yeah. it yeah we had you see this is the thing like, one, one of the things that killed my jiu-jitsu for years it was like the worst like Daniel LaRusso had it ever because I turned <laughs> up at a tournament and they were like it was the first British Open and I was like I had a half idea what I had to do and it was like if you get a takedown and the guys were explaining it to me literally a minute before I was yeah, going yeah. on the mat and they were like what are you going to do I said I'm going just take him down just choke him out and they'll south choke and they were like yeah but you need to rack up points and I'm like points I'm not in this game for points I'm in this to kill this guy I think with the judo the, the, the it's, it's not one fight either it, it is that yeah, the karate kid moment where they're going through the, the ranks but that's yeah. every tournament yeah but that, yeah, that's it, is, it. it isn't got one three or four fight. yeah it, you know you, you, I was talking to somebody that had um, they went to the one of the girls that I sponsor, Chelsea Giles, she she um, she went to the Junior Worlds, and um, she lost to get into the final. Yeah. So she had one, two, three, four fights to get into the final. She would yeah. have five fights if it was the final. But because she lost, she went back into the rep charge. She had a new t- another two fights to fight for the bronze, and then lost for the bronze. Wow. So she actually took fifth place, but had like seven fights. Wow. Now, if you're having seven fights in a day, you haven't got time no. to spend. Okay, it's a five minute fight, but you don't want seven five minute fights. You need to get in, get out, and and conserve your energy and, and save time. Now. All, all well and good when you know you're fighting in a local club but when you're fighting internationally and, and every fight's a tough fight yeah. you know now it used to be you used to look at, at the draw and see if there was a weak link in that draw <laughs> there's not a weak link no, anymore, not anymore, not anymore. Know, and I think that's probably every sport there, there yeah. is no weak links anymore people are training smarter they are training better um, I, th- I think the development of, of sport globally whether that's you know, 
I don't know, especially the, the MMA stuff and yeah. the, the, the jiu-jitsu, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, whatever. The sensibility's changed now. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. It's going to lead me on to something because this, how, how we met, myself, my, I met Wayne through Alpes and, uh, and through Jeff Thompson. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And what happened was I was actually, I was in Germany training and it's like, you know, when everyone says, you know, did you do many animal days? And I said, well, we were doing like progressive sparring. It hadn't even evolved into it. No, it was before that. And it was, it was like old, old school. And I remember you coming on the scene and I was in Germany. I came back from Germany and one of the guys was saying, got this guy Wayne Lakin. <laughs> He's just killing everybody. And I was like, what, what, you know, and I'm going, what is he, a fucking tie boxer or something? You know, what is it? Went, He's a judo guy. And I'm like that going. And it was like, it leads me onto the... Yeah, judo's always been able to transverse this sport martial art. I, I always thought judo was smart because they, they said no, they didn't get involved in any of the neurosis with it's a martial art, it's a sport. Yeah. And then obviously. I still, I still think to the day, I, I, still, I class it as a sport. I still class it as a sport because for me it was a sport. I was, I was competing, you know, I was trying to get to the Olympic Games. Now, the Olympic Games is always sport. It isn't a martial art, it's a sport. Yeah. It is a, I, I, so I've always looked at it as a sport. But you go back onto how we met and. And I've got to thank Jeff Thompson for that kind of stuff yeah. because it was I was working in a gym in Cov, and um, the, the owner come back to me one day and he went. Uh, I was working the door then as well, and, and uh, he said to me, "Jeff Thompson's looking for you." And I just finished watching watch my back really. Yeah, yeah, thinking, yeah. Shit. Oh, <laughs> looking for a scalp. Out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have I thrown his? daughters out what oh no what have I done and uh, about a week later I, I don't know why but this is and I don't think I've ever said this before ever right um, I saw him come through the door and yeah. I'm behind the counter of the gym and I just finished making a protein drink and I got a blender in my hand and I thought if he jumps across the counter I'm going to smash him with a blender I don't know why I thought that really I literally thought that <laughs> I was, I was thinking, I'm trapped behind a counter. Yeah. I don't even think I've ever told Jeff this. Wow. And uh, he come in and he, he got his cap on and he looked so submissive. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. When he's in his cap and, and stuff. And he walked in and, and he went, you went naked. Shit. Yeah. Do I lie and say, no, he's gone out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do I just say, yeah? And I went, and I've still got the blender in my hand. Yeah. And I went, <laughs> yeah. And he went, Hi, pleased to meet you. I'm Jeff Thompson. Right. Do you know if you teach me some judo? And literally like that. And I sort of, do you know, yeah. you have that, everybody has that moment where you just go, yeah. yeah. It was one of them. Well, you see, I had that, I had that for years because, you know, that, the reason I started martial arts is Jeff. As I said, everything that I've got can be literally traced back. I, I met my wife through martial arts. Really? Yeah, and I, yeah. And I've said this to Jeff. I mean, I'm a best friend in the world, Al Poos, and yeah. met him through it. Yeah, Jeff's had a major, major influence. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the thing was, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad he's moved away from the reality-based, from the reality-based stuff more than anything now. Is because it, personally, me, I don't think it suits his sensibilities. And not only that, there's there's no there's no place. You know, this is the thing like, that I'm going to get you on. Making martial arts work against people, right? Mm. When the bar's set that low, you know, if somebody's got eight pints of lager in them, they're going up against an, an international judo player. And the, the classic line is, I do love the, the line that one guy, you were, wear, you, were wearing it, is, you were wearing the jacket at the time and the guy grabbed the lapels of your jacket and you threw him, was yeah, that it? Yeah, foot swept him. Yeah, he foot swept him. And it was yeah. like, unbelievable. It was like, wait a minute, you've just done exactly what yeah, I wanted to do. Literally, it was, we were working the door and, and um, 
I've, I'd, I've never tried to, to work the door because I've done judo. It was literally working the door fitted with me training full time. Yes. Because I needed some money to, to my mum and dad put me through the whole of my judo career. Bless them. Um, and literally the reason I stopped training full time was because I saw their bank balance and they've got no money left. And they were coming to their retirement age and, and I had a choice of another four years to try and from 96 to 2000 and thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to do this. But digress, I, I, I used the door to pay for some of my own training. And uh, I was working the door and, and I was walking around and, and some guy was dancing in front of me and, and I stepped to the side and he, and he stepped back. And, and I went to step again. So I, I must have done like four or five different side steps to try and just, just yeah, to pass the yeah. guy. And as he turned, he grabbed me and he grabbed my lapels. And as I went to step again, he stepped with me and it just naturally foot swept him. He went up in the air and as he landed, he landed on the other doorman's foot. Oh, beautiful. And, and I just stepped over him. Didn't say a word, just stepped over him and carried on walking. And the, we took about five steps uh, uh, after the guy still flat out on, on the dance floor and we just left him there and, and the doorman went that was really nice <laughs> it was just that and we carried on walking but it was yeah. just that but I, I say I, I have used it a lot on the door because when you get that close to somebody yeah. it, it does just work that, yeah. bit just, it, that bit does work you know it's alright if, if you're a boxer you, you, you choose your distances yeah. my distance was always I can't box and I can't kick so literally I used to wait till hopefully I didn't get knocked out in, yeah. in the process of getting from A to, a to B yeah. closing that distance but once I was there I was, I was well you, now, you see this is the thing it's like it's just the Venn diagram and what I do is I bring my 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 circle you know remember the old Venn yeah, diagram yeah, yeah, at the school yeah. right and I bring my circle of badass into you so it's like oh I'm really scared no sorry you don't realise what Warpass I'm bringing right yes. but it's you know, the door work and when we were around that era it was a completely different animal you know the bar was quite low you, you had game kids yeah yeah but now with this explosion of MMA you know even the guys who don't train they play the PlayStation yeah and they understand it, it was one thing that I always had I've always had issues uh, even when we used to teach the fence because this explosion and being super aggressive I used to always say I used to look at it this way and this is my own personal opinion and you know it, mine only Mm. but this shouting and roaring and being overly aggressive uh, when you're doing that to somebody who speaks that language fluently somebody who basically and we we all know them these people that they they interact with each other on such a guttural level that when you start trying to talk that language you sound like fucking Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins and they go it sounds like it but I know you don't believe it yeah yeah I I definitely agree I think like you say 20 years ago I mean it's got to be 25 years ago since I was doing The Door and it was a different beast to what you see now because everybody game everybody thinks that and, and, and the law tends to be on their side as well or, or they think the law is on their side and, and stuff like that so I think it's changed them I would never go back I would no. never go back and do any of that God no it was like I said anyone ever asked me why I did the door I did the door because I was I was shamed into it because yeah, everyone else was doing it mm. and I remember the first shift I ever did I did three places in one night nice so yeah great yeah finished the night and they give me 80 quid for mm. three sessions 
And I just was like that. This isn't for me. No. And then uh, Kenny was like, but it's good money. And at the time, I was getting two hundred pound a day. And I was like, my, yeah. And again, it taught me a lot about perspective because yeah, I was thinking, yeah. you think that's a lot of money? I just go out and plaster plaster a ceiling for two hundred quid, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the bar was low then because they were all drunk. Tough, tough guys never fight. Have you ever noticed no, that? No, they, they, they don't. They, they'll stand there and they'll chat to you. And the tough guys don't want to fight. They, they are out for a nice night. It's yeah. the idiots that want to fight. I think for me, the, the reason I did the door was, like I said, it was just because it fit. It fit. I could work when I wanted to. Um, I was away most weekends anyway, competing or on training camps. Um, I think when then it, it's when you rely on that money is when people. I, I sort of relate with with what Jeff said before and, and probably yourself about you know you, you work so long doing that job and then you become reliant on the 50 or 60 quid yeah. at the end of the week you know that, that, yeah, yeah. that extra money so if you do two nights it's 120 quid and you sort of go actually that 120 quid paid for my holiday or it paid for my new yeah. windows or my new door and, and you sort of become reliant on that money and then you can't get out yeah. for me thankfully I got out as the badge come in um, so yeah I, I, I think that was it for me and then the, I sort of I got in with a crew that were working doors and I could either see myself getting killed or going to prison. Yeah. And I thought, ah, do you know what? I'm actually quite a nice guy, yeah. I think. So I don't think I... Prison's not for me. You see, this is and the thing. It's like uh, some of the guys, you know, and if you're listening, guys, you know, I love you all. I'm not going to mention <laughs> you, but, yeah, yeah. but, you know, you'd hang around with these guys and then the next thing you know... You know, it wasn't like you became them or they became you, but there was this hive, uh, this hive mind merge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for me, I just thought that's it. I can't. I I don't want to do that. And and it sort of it all happened at the right time because I sort of moved from one door to another and ended up. Literally, we did. We did. Um, I went from Hinckley to uh, Northampton, from Northampton to Corby. And, and you stand on a door in Corby, and they go right. Okay, yeah, okay, it's Corby. It's, yeah, there's a, there's a curfew. Anybody under 16 has to be known by 10 o'clock. And it's got the highest HOV outside of Glasgow. Yeah. And you sort of go, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And I actually got stabbed in Corby. I was really? on it. Yeah, I was... Um, Jesus. Working on a... a, a um, it was like an R&B night on a Sunday. 50 people in the club. It was dead. You know, there's three door people. And literally, it just went off. Erupted, it yeah. It just erupted. And um, I'm, I'm trying to esc- escort this gentleman to the door. And uh, his girlfriend... Uh, they'd been nicking bottles from behind the bar. That was it. And, oh. and he said, "No, I've paid for them." I said, "We don't serve them with the lids on." He'd literally been behind. And, yeah. and, and as I'm putting, taking bottles and trying to put them back into a glass collector's tray, sort of thing, um, he turned, went to headbutt me. I spun him round and landed on the floor and knelt on him on his chest. I said, "Look, we, let's just leave." As he did that, because I'm down on the floor, his girlfriend picked up a bottle, smashed it over my head, and then stuck it in my neck. And I've got about Jesus. a two scar there. Yeah. And um, I. Got, I I got stabbed with a shoe, but it's no, carried, they, they, nowhere near like that. Literally carried on fighting, and then um, the guy uh, that was at the time then we were all in for some strange reason they wanted to put doormen in white jumpers. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. Why? why? I don't get yeah. that. Um, and at the end of the night, the, 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 we'd, we closed the club at about 11.30. It was still early. And one of the doormen said, you've got claret all over your jumper. I said, oh, no, it's not from me. It's from the guy I've just thrown out. Mm. And he went, no, 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 you've got a hole in your neck. And he actually put his finger into my neck. Jesus. There. And uh, I said, oh, I best go. Yeah, 
like, have a look I at that. I better get that yeah. team. So I literally got in my car and drove to the George Elliott in Nuneaton. Really? Yeah. Literally, wow. with blood coming out of my neck. And literally drove straight to the George Elliott. The nurse looked at my neck and she went, yeah, you're going to need a few stitches in that. Uh, so you're lucky two inches round the side and that would have got your artery. Yeah, you'd, carotid you'd, artery, you'd right? You'd dead. You'd, there's Jeez. no way you'd have... Yep. And I think, after, I think after that, I did a month where I went to Jumping Jacks in Dunstable and literally went south for some strange reason, but still living in Hinkley, so I was commuting. Wow. And then there was one... This is where it all sort of finished, was when uh, the, the crew that I was working with, we were going to work Ministry of Sound. In right, London, yeah. And we got badged for Southwark Council no, it wasn't the SRA it was, it was a local council yeah yeah, yeah yeah and uh, we, we went in and, and it was going to be £200 a night and you think oh, do you know yeah what? yeah I'll do I'll, that yeah. £200 a night that's yeah. not the old amnesia house days where yeah. it's like I'll pay you £100 and you go you come out of it and you're like Jesus eight hours of drum and bass yeah yeah well we didn't even get that far right. literally I said right okay we'll, we'll be on the front door crew that's okay yeah no it's oh, alright where do you want me behind that bulletproof glass there yeah. hang on a minute there's bullet what yeah well we have SO19 on the rooftops for the nights some of the nights we have the police with the gun yeah I'm out of here I went nah it's not for me mate nah. and that was it and I came back up and, and that was at the time when um, I think Luminar were losing a lot of their doors and stuff like yeah. that they were closing the clubs down and then they were going to open Nuneaton um, and the manager from where I was working Hinkley then took over Nuneaton and I did that for a bit and then after that that was it well, so it's, it's, it's mad you said that because Illuminar Leisure I actually plastered the first ever Chicago's in oh, really? Bedford yeah his one right so I did that and then plastered his house and we were talking about it and he had told me about his expansion plans and literally yeah, if you're listening uh, you, you know you, you defined the generation <laughs> because it was like you had all these idiots going into Chicago's thinking that this memorabilia was all real it was all from second hand shops yeah. with a picture of like <laughs> but, it, but, but he created a market and he just you create a void and it gets filled yeah. and they were awful people because back in those days people just didn't care no. you're like they really didn't didn't I think, care I think for me the, the, what killed the door work for me was was I was we worked we were the last in-house door team for Luminar Leisure right in Hinkley it was the last one so everything had gone agency yeah now if you're turning up and you've got 10 of your mates with you and yeah. they were your mates you know yourself when you worked the yeah. door you've got 10 mates with you actually when you were turning up and there were five guys from an agency who you didn't know who were on four and a half five quid an hour yeah. You sort of go, actually, when this kicks off, are they still going to be there? Or, you know, you know they they're not. The door? You know they're not. So that was it for me. I, I said, that's it. I'm done. Literally, uh, I think it all, I, c- I couldn't even tell you what year it was, but I, 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 I'd done then, and that no. was that. I hope you enjoyed the first part of my Wayne Lakin interview. Next week, listen to me and Wayne talk about this. We need to find a sport that can do our developing for us. Yeah. Because rugby can't do it. Yeah. We don't learn how to tackle until they're 12. Let's pass them to judo. They teach them how to fall from five. Yes. Actually, then we can have them grappling from five to 12. We'll take them at 12. Exactly. And then we'll put some rugby skills into them. Foundation's already set. And judo went, well, actually, when you finish with them at 19, we'll have them back because we've got no heavyweights. (laughs) You can listen to all our interviews on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is a Pay Your Headphones production.